Hi everyone, welcome to Agency of Change. I'm Scott Bateman, the CEO of Comio. And I'm Brock Fisher, Head of Strategy at Comio. It's great to have you with us today. Now, Agency of Change is a podcast that aims to showcase excellence and best practice in real estate in Australia. So I'm pleased to introduce today's guest, founder and principal of Brisbane's Junction Estate Agents, also known as The Property Guy, Jeremy Pikow. Jeremy, welcome. Good morning, guys. Thanks for having me. Hey, Jeremy, so much we want to talk about um, in relation to your existing business, uh, but I think wouldn't mind just doing a little memory lane trip and kind of talking through a bit of the timeline in the lead up to now. So uh, I think probably best to describe you as a bit of a, a business development phenomenon. You've succeeded at basically everywhere that you've been. So can you just give us a bit of an outline, I guess, at the, the Jeremy journey to now? Yeah, the Jeremy journey. Well, I'm, I'm a small town kid, right? So we, I grew up in a, a very rural country town in Queensland. It was called Pomona, if you know it. Um, and that's where I started my real estate journey. Um, high, a high school graduate, university dropout. Um, didn't like it at all when I came to university and I just said, look, let's, let's just take a breather, have a gap year and do, and do some work. So that's where I kind of kicked off my first, first few days in real estate was in this small country town and they literally just got me on the phones, right? And that was kind of the pinnacle of where everything started because I didn't, I was green, I didn't know what to do. They just said, here's a list of 2000 numbers, smash it out, right? At the end of 2000 numbers, it came to about a week later, we finished the 2000 numbers. I said, oh, I'm done, like, I don't, I don't know how well I went. Well, uh, we're just getting appraisals and market analysis sent out to all these rural properties. And my principal and also the selling agent I was working for at that time, just laugh their head off, right? I was just like, you, you really banged out 2,000 numbers in a week. <laughs> in a week, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they were thinking, oh, that's the next three months done. That's yeah, probation yeah, yeah. sorted. Yeah, and then I didn't have any, anything else to do. So I just, we, they, they hired me, um, obviously, for my great phone, um, phone dialing Pro skills. Prolific output. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that's when I, like, that's how I first started uh, to become this kind of, you know, phone dialing machine that I am now and that's still my my key trait at the moment is just getting on that phone and just dialing right so, so early on you developed some pretty core phone skills and you know I think it's been a prevailing observation of mine throughout the industry that um, over the years that yeah people don't pick up the phone enough and you kind of testament to the fact that it works so you've worked at a number of, of larger franchise organizations and um, success has come quickly in the BDM space each time so have you discovered the magic bullet? Like, do you have a, a, a recipe that you uh, that you just trot out wherever you go? Oh, look, I think the recipe has changed. Um, <clears throat> at the start, it was all about, it was a numbers game. Just do more, do more, do more, do more. Um, kind of a slash and burn mentality, but that's kind of evolved each and every year that I've kind of kept doing it. And I said, look, I don't want to be smashing out phones and 2000 numbers just to get you know, 10% of leads. So how do we create that? That, that better conversion rate? How do we get create that better lead rate? Um, so that's got to do a lot with the scripting that we've developed as well. So uh, Ben White released a book a few years ago. It was called, um, it was called The Numbers Game. And it kind of segmented landlords into four segments. So I took that idea a little bit further and I said, look, how can we, from the first phone call, how can we segment them into those four segments right away and feed them the information that they need automatically um, and through this, you know, customized pipeline. So using that system now we've, uh, and that's, that's what we're doing right now at Junction is where we've actually 
from the first phone call know exactly who they are as a landlord or what they value most. And then we segment them into these categories and each category has its own kind of marketing funnel um, and customized to exactly the solution that they'd be looking for, for that particular clientele, like a private client with multiple properties or an outsourcer that doesn't really want to do it. Like anything with the property that doesn't want to have to do anything with the property. Um, that's yeah, that's been kind of the key recipe for me. That's working at the moment. So Jeremy, I just want to dive into this a little bit then, because um, for those that don't know, I mean, you started your business last year, you're at 165 properties already. I mean, these are the sort of numbers that most people just cannot kind of comprehend. Uh, clearly, you're doing a lot of things right in getting that going. What were some of the things that you started and kind of did early that you realized pretty quickly that you should double down on? Yeah, well, uh, because I've been in the industry for about 10 years now, and I've just in and out of any offices that I've been in, um, any franchise, we're, we're selling the same apples, right? So at, at the start, we had to get a, I had to make sure that we were offering something different to our clients as well, which is why we rolled out the 1%, um, much to the scoff of many, many of our peers in the industry. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, we're going to talk to that quite a bit yeah. today too. Yeah. <laughs> um, but we had to be, so drastically different, but still deriving value for our clients, not, not only just our landlords, but to our tenants as well. And also to the people that work with us, uh, our property managers, you know, there's, there's no point us charging less or creating efficient ga efficiency gains there if the property managers are going to suffer. So we had to come up with a, with a better model. So that was the challenge, right? And I used to do business cases all the time um, with, uh, when I, back, I went back to uni. And you know, it was just a brainstorming session. Okay, how do I charge less? How do I make more? And how do I pay people more? And those were the three business challenges that we had to overcome. And I think we've, we've hit the nail on the head. So let's dive into the 1% the business model. I mean, I know that um, the industry is rife with people scoffing at low fee agencies and so forth. But yours isn't the fact that you just do everything for 1%, right? It's more about offering, I guess, a, a more flexible or a configurable business model to a customer? Is that, is that a, kind of an accurate description? Yeah, a, a customized model. So a customizable model um, to, to do whatever the client wants. Um, so whether it be maintenance or whether they want to take their care of their own maintenance, whether they want to do their own routines, whether they want to do their own entries, exit, et cetera, et cetera. Our, our business model allows us to be ultra flexible in that regard. And if they want us to help at any time, we can jump in. But the 1.1% 1, 1, 1 is just merely a rent collection and arrears processing uh, kind of. So can I ask then, so we, we sort of see this across every industry, like eventually someone comes in, um, you know, the, the technical term is decoupling, where you think about the existing service, break it into a series of parts and then offer it part by part. Why is property so reluctant to go there, do you think? Like what's, what's holding people back? Because this is in all industries but in ours for whatever reason we seem to resist this at all costs yeah i think i've always attributed to this thing where our our client expectations changed you know about eight eight nine years ago right probably for the first year or the second year i started in real estate our client expectations changed and they wanted something more and something different from us but instead of giving something different and i'm going to I'm going to be ahead of saying this, but instead of giving <laughs> something different, we just created a role or we just made a role called the business development manager more popular to sell the same thing differently. 
you know it's yeah. it's all about that pitch that the business development i don't know i i was doing the pitch right <laughs> you're I, that I, guy yeah, i was that guy yeah i was selling the same apple but i'm addressed but it in just a at the higher cost it yeah. was a fancy artisan apple yeah yeah <laughs> yeah yeah exactly lady galah um <clears throat> but yeah it, it was it instead of actually you know giving value or creating anything different we just pitched it differently which is yeah, which is why I think our, our industry right now is reluctant to let go. Um, we're still this sales intensive, sales focused, BDM focused industry. So, yeah. Yeah, it's a really interesting observation because, I mean, it's, it's, it's so true. The, the actual offering rarely has changed. We've just kind of figured out different ways to kind of pitch it. So, in your, in your business now, would a, would a 1% customer typically just kind of sign up at 1% and then see how they go? Or do they kind of pre-select a series of services that they want throughout the year and then they've got the option to add more? And I guess the other interesting point, um, I think for our listeners will be like, how do you actually administer and manage that in an everyday business yeah. practice? Yeah, yeah. Okay, two-parter, two-parter, great. Two-parter. <laughs> um, so basically, the, firstly, our, our clients, some of them just pick out outright all the services that they kind of want. Um, and they just listed out on our forms, uh, automatic form, by the way, we don't need to do any admin. Um, <laughs> but some clients, you know, we do have this, we create this process where if they were going away on a holiday, which is less so right now, or they didn't want to take care of it, et cetera, et cetera, we can just jump in, right? And a couple of clients have taken that up where they started at, I just want you to do the rent collection portion of it and do the leasing portion of it and I'll, I'll handle the rest to actually... Hey, Jeremy, can you just handle this maintenance issue? Can you just handle uh, the, these routines, this tenant communication, this lease renewal, blah, 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 blah. So it, it, it can build up. And this is a, you know, we're building this business to become more account manager orientated, um, where we'll have property managers, of course, to do all these tasks and, and really get things done. But the account manager is there for client success. Um, and we're going to be putting a lot more emphasis on returns on investment, making sure it performs well. And also the fact that, you know, we can deliver a constant kind of communication and service with the one person. So my role right now is the account manager side. I'll kind of do everything, BDM, account manager, leasing, et cetera. But we're moving into this uh, field where we will have a dedicated account manager to manage all that for you. And they're going to be an investment specialist. They're going to be someone that you can talk to if you want to buy another property, buy another investment, refinance, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah. So can I ask then, are you sort of seeing this proposition appeal most to self-managed landlords who are used to paying nothing but getting nothing? And they kind of go, all right, well, if I can get these one or two services, that seems pretty valuable. Or are you seeing this appeal to the full fee um, landlord that's going actually i don't need all 15 things property manager does i probably need five or six and therefore you know i'm happy to save a bit of money and get that where where are you seeing most of the interest come from i would say 60 percent are coming from full service like 8.8 percent agencies um would say they're not really we're not dialing down on any of the services that um, they're currently getting at the moment it's still they're still getting us to do everything from maintenance, routines, et cetera. But right now we're seeing this shift because people just don't value the industry at 8.8%. Um, we keep coming to this 
pay pay pants to get monkeys kind of idea but really why let me pitch you like this what why would you as a landlord pay a consistent fee if your tenant was going to be staying in the property for two years right why would you be paying a consistent fee of 8.8 percent where the property manager didn't have to do um you know and entry names every single year didn't have to switch over the tenancy had a longer lease what 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 madness is is this uh, that you know you as a landlord will be paying for that 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 service you know we should always be earning what we do and you know and this is where discounting uh, agency discounting comes into play as well so you can have an, a client that's getting exactly the same service paying 8.8% and there's another client getting 5.5 mate what reasoning please give it to me <laughs> on that on that model, and I guess to take the, the devil's advocate opposing view and, you know, um, imagine what the masses are shouting from the rooftops. <laughs> There's Jeremy effigies everywhere right now. <laughs> I think one of, the, one of the big motivators behind building a rent roll is obviously the asset value and the asset value is tied to a, a percentage on a piece of paper. So has it been part of your uh, thought process or concern to, to be concerned about what that might mean for the asset value of your business or is that not really uh, a consideration look i'm a, I'm a cash flow business so basically we i think people were only caring about the asset value uh, of a rent roll because the rent roll wasn't generating that much profit um and if you had a you had a good rent roll that was generating generating you know, 50 profit you wouldn't care about selling it right and if it ran itself you wouldn't why would you sell a 50 percent generating asset it's it, yeah and i think that's for us or for me anyway um that asset value even though we're in uh we're, we're having discussions with Macquarie at the moment and this is an untried and tested system so they don't know where to value it at neither do we but at the same time we're not selling anytime soon um and for me it's more about getting that cash flow in and seeing what else we can do as a business um to either expand our different revenue generators that we've got so we've got a lot of fields that we can go in with property uh, and with auxiliary fees and with mortgage broking and all that kind of stuff. So we, we, we need to, yeah, we need to be a bit more creative, I guess, if we're not relying on the asset value, which I don't want to rely on. It's a, yeah. that, that asset value thing is, is, is moot to me right now. Yeah. So do you think that's going to be part of a broader shift in thinking across the industry then? Like as more different business models pop up and people think about the way they monetize a customer relationship differently, is the asset value thing, um, I guess, like, what would your advice be? Someone's coming into the industry behind you, they're setting up shop. Are you saying, um, you know, disregard that and focus on cash flow because it's the way of the future? Or is there a place for both? What are your thoughts? But cash flow is, is king in my, in my eyes. And in every industry, cash flow has always been king. Um, yeah, you get... Um, you know, you get a certain value at the end if you want to sell that, if you want to retire kind of thing. But that's, you know, that was gone with taxi plates. Sorry. Um, it should go with, with, with rent rolls as well. Um, so I, I, I think, you know, there may be room in the future um, for that kind of boutique service if someone wanted, wanted to take the asset route. But it's proven time and time again, the asset route is nearly a, a revenue or a profit neutral kind of exercise rather than a profit generating exercise. So you may have know. lost a lot of money over time to get yeah. to it, but you eventually recover it through a sale. 
Yeah, correct. And also the fact that rent roll values are actually decreasing as well. Um, yeah. And I don't know about you, but if I buy a rent roll, which I'm never going to do, <laughs> if I buy a rent roll and someone can issue a 30 day termination, that's not very secure income for me to be paying three times the value. Well, it's interesting you say that. Brock and I um, both came from a pretty big agency and, and ran a pretty successful growth program. Um, and we often talk to people and say, hey, you know, we were growing at circa 3,000 properties a year and we added up the cost of wages, incentives, discounting, free periods, all that stuff. In total, it was one times revenue. We're saying, why would we buy a rent roll at three times when we can successfully, consistently grow at 3,000 properties for a one times acquisition cost? Yeah. So I think it's interesting what you're saying. Like, there's, I think there's going to be more people that start to look at what you're doing. And it's actually, there's something in this because, you know, we're a little bit concerned potentially that the way we've valued the business in the past may not hold up five years from now, 10 years from now and so yeah. on. I think definitely keep your eye on the space. And um, with, with any kind of, if you're looking for that quick growth, people the reason why businesses buy rent rollers is because they go into this gap where they between what I say, I'm sure you guys have this as well between what 150 and 200 properties and they need a quick prop up just to get another person or another person on salary, salary through. Right. And that's one of the major reasons people buy rent rolls is to make sure that they don't have that, that loss gap. Imagine if you just had that growth personnel just or two growth personnel just focusing on growing the business uh, BDMs, um, whether they be BDMs or uh, a genuine property manager. Uh, I always have felt that growing a rent roll has been much more beneficial than buying one. Yeah. yeah um, um, I mean, yeah, for the cost of acquisition. And that's why, that's where a lot of the, um, I guess the vitriol around fee discounting um, mm. isn't taking into consideration that it's all part of just the greater lens of what is the cost of acquisition. And if you are getting a scale amount of properties coming in at one times, as opposed to three times, it actually works out way more effectively, regardless of what the fee is on the piece of paper. Mm -hmm. Now you did mention um, building, a well, building a contactless online signup system or the fact that customers can join your business without having to, um, you know, have any interaction. Uh, that's a, that's a pretty fascinating one. So can you, can you chat us through kind of how you went about that and how effective it's been? Yeah, well, we just wanted, um, because we were entering all these clients into the pipeline, we needed a, a better way to sign them up because we were waiting each and every business day or business morning to actually get in touch with these clients and actually get them to sign forms. Some of them, can sign forms at 2 a.m. at night or 10 p.m. at night, and we're not always available to send them those those management agreements. So that 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 was built out of a need, um, and we did that just through a, a generic website that captures details as the client went on. They entered the same de amount of details they would in a normal form six, but we just did it in stages instead of all at once, very frightening form. Uh, and from those entries, we them down to a database and then created a form out of it uh, as soon as the client wanted it and they all have to do was click a button to say hey um, we want the forms and it just gen automatically generate all their details onto this one form um yeah so it, it it's worked really really well when you know you wake up in the morning you see five management agreements come through because <laughs> like, <laughs> getting yeah, management's like, while you sleep wow. yeah <laughs> literally yeah and then we can actually just focus on doing the calls uh, building the pipeline and entering people into the marketing funnels that they belong to. 
So with that in mind, how much uh, of a role does stuff like SEO and that online presence um, sort of play in your your lead generation space? Is that where you're getting the bulk of your, uh, your, your new business coming in from? Yeah, our SEO is a long burn uh, tactic as well. Um, we've, we spoke to a lot of uh, experts in that field. And right now, all we're focusing on is doing those calls um, and having someone call those numbers. But SEO is a very long-term tactic for us. And it will pay off in the future, but we're eight, we're eight months old. Um, we're just not ranking that high in Google because we're just a new business. Until we get to that point, um, doing paid ads is, is, a, is a good Band-Aid filler at the moment, but it's still not, it, the, the cost of acquisition is still a little bit too high. Calls are, are still way, way better. So can I ask then, like speaking of um, you know, how you position the business against all these other options, how has your competition reacted to what you do and your your pitch to the market? What feedback have you had there? Um, someone literally laughed at me the other day when I when I <laughs> met them out, and um, so I met this person out, and uh, we was having a couple of drinks, and they were in the industry as well. And <clears throat> come I think Wednesday morning. Uh, she texts me and she goes, ha, 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 1% and has a formed <laughs> emoji, right? <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, yeah. So that's the kind of feed <laughs> we've been getting from the people within our industry. But, okay, on the, on the other side of the coin, the feedback that we've been getting for the, the property managers that are on our book is amazing because they not only do they have flexibility, we're essentially doubling the pay that they usually get for the work that they do and they don't have to carry stuff home with them. They don't have to stress out about the water leak that's in the house or they don't have to stress out about any particular client or property. They come in, do their tasks, leave and get paid. And, you know, I was a property manager for a very long time and <clears throat> I always took stuff home with me and it's just burnt, burnt me out. So we're not only having, you know, I'm saying this now, I'm probably counting my eggs, eggs too early, but, our, I'm hoping that our property managers stay for a longer term because they're less stress. Um, and having that consistency in property managers is is going to be the key thing for our for our growth as well. So that's a really interesting uh, bit of information there. So you you're going to the market with effectively kind of a low cost model, yet you're still able to pay property managers more for the work that they mm -hmm. do. That's um, that's pretty clever. That's pretty revolutionary. I'm the logical guy. I'm kind of struggling a little to join those dots. Can you kind of fill in a few of the blanks there for me? That's a, that's a polite how. <laughs> Just give us all your secrets, Jeremy, if you wouldn't yeah. mind. Think about this, right? Uh, billable hours and unproductive hours. Um, you know, when, when you're a property manager, I experienced it as well. During the peak period, you were completely stressed out and you're doing a lot of billable tasks. But there was, I would say, nine months of the year where you weren't kind of super stressed or you you're being kind of unproductive i was unproductive for you know a lot of those times out of the out of the not, um, not when you're of, doing those two thousand calls uh, in a week yeah well yeah well different different when i was doing those two thousand calls but we we had to split the task to do something um kind of different where we charge the owner for our billable hours and the property managers get rewarded for completing those billable tasks um that way we're able to fill the yeah, the kind of gap between, hey, you're not doing anything and you're getting paid for it uh, versus you're always doing something and you're earning revenue and income. So we've just made a, we've just made a better system to be more efficient. We don't pay people for, to sit around and do nothing. Yeah. 
So how, how important has technology been in helping you do all of that? Is it kind of central to, you know, lowering costs, but delivering a similar kind of outcome? Or for the most part, is this still just driven by good decision-making and processes? Uh, it's, the processes are very important when you have a structure like this, um, especially because where there's so many, we're basically a task-based agency um, where we get people to do our tasks and then they have, their owners have the one uh, contact who not, not necessarily does the tasks themselves. So having that process in there is super important, but technology has been the enabler of that. So <clears throat> not having to do our you know, trust accounting, not having to worry about um, if arrears reminders are being sent, um, all those non-billable tasks are getting done automatically. And that's been one of the key drivers of how we actually get so profitable. So in saying that, your, your owners and your tenants, I guess, would have a more forward or progressive experience with the tech that they use in the palm of their hand. Can you tell us how they've kind of found that experience, I guess, compared to what a traditional, in inverted commas, uh, experience might be? Yeah, I think um, one of them, uh, when I first signed her on, she's very um, taken back by the, the whole portal situation, you know. Um, but it, it's it's an induction process. Like I had, I went out there when signing up, signing her up, and you know, after doing the induction, she felt very comfortable in doing it. It's not a hard system to log into your portal. Um, people do it anyway. It's log into your bank account, logging into Facebook, logging to you know, any any other program at, at work. It's people still, you know, they can grasp this idea. Yes, there are certain clients where we're not targeting because they're not entirely tech savvy they don't have a phone or they don't have a computer we can't target them anyway like that's, that's, that's <laughs> yeah, they can't be found they can't be found <laughs> um so with those guys yeah we that, that we're, we're at a loss there but with the majority of the market they still they still like the they still like to log on have information at their fingertips see where their property's at um i get text messages at night saying hey um just checked um is everything okay with the uh, dishwasher because we just you know approved it blah blah, blah. i'm like yep yeah, our contractor's got it don't worry about it. it's all on the it's all on the portal right now we're reflected and yeah and they just want to do a checkup like it's it it takes the need of us having to talk to clients straight away and but it also gives more accessibility for our clients to see where their property's at as well which is great i love transparency that's really interesting one of the things that um that we've found is as we talk to different agencies or, or you know prospective customers for comio whatever the case might be inevitably what comes up is these kind of edge case customers where they'll, they'll say yep on in aggregate we love the idea of x whatever that might be However, we've got this one customer that won't like this or won't take this and so on. And suddenly they're discounting huge amounts of upside across the broader part of their business because of one edge case potential problem. It sounds to me like you've embraced that understanding, that thinking, just sort of listening to your commentary around like the customer induction and so on. What advice would you have for agencies that are wrestling with potentially some significant upside in something? but having to wear a bit of downside on the other hand, what advice would you give them? Do your numbers at the end of the day. Um, it's look, I'm pretty biased because it's worked out for us pretty well, but look, do, do your numbers. How much is that client worth to for you to be spending 80% of your time on? Um, if you're spending 80% of your time on it, then you're probably doing un very unbillable hours or 
doing things that you shouldn't be doing, making you less profit or numbers, man. <laughs> they talk. Good advice. <laughs> Now, Jeremy, I want to talk a little bit about your, um, I guess, the evolution of your services and you're about to launch a, a B2B model. Is that is that correct? Yeah. yeah. We're, we're embracing the haters. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Give them a cuddle. <laughs> it's, um, so uh, I never, never thought to actually roll this out to other businesses in, in the area, but hell, why not? Um, you know, it, it's, it, it's literally a system where we charge a fraction of the cost, one third of the cost. Um, we become more profitable, um, and in turn, the agency that we're servicing come, becomes more profitable as well if they're working off a twenty percent margin, um, or even thirty percent margin. Um, so we took it. Uh, we, we've taken it to a, a few agencies, and a few agencies have approached us. Um, so we're just rolling that out at the moment uh, within our local area to see if we can actually do anything with them, but this B2B wholesaling model is, is, is going to be very, very interesting. Um, uh, I think there could be a lot of take up on it uh, or people just keep, keep hating us, but literally there's, <laughs> there's nothing, there's nothing to hate. Right. I'm a like lovable the guy. Of the scale there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, at 1% there's a bit of margin there that you can yeah. share. So, <laughs> but so, money talks guys. Yeah. <laughs> so, it does. So just to be, uh, I guess, abundantly clear, you, this is a model where, a business like a effectively a competitive business gets yep. you to manage the asset. And because you can do that more efficiently at a lower cost, they mm -hmm. actually make more margin, but have to do no work. Yeah. Have no accountability. Well, they still have accountability like the clients, of course, but we take most of the risk off their hands and we do all the heavy lifting. So mechanically, who's a customer dealing with there? Like, are they still dealing with the person that they dealt with at the, the other business or do they actually seamlessly come through to you? Yeah, so we've, we've rolled out two options um, and taking an example to uh, one, of, uh, one of these agencies that we've been talking to, um, we've given them two options. Basically, we can take all that off our, their hands. They still keep their asset value, which they love so dearly, um, and we'll take care of everything. Or they keep one account manager on their books, have that account manager be a revenue generating asset for the business because they can talk about a lot of other things, buying, selling, uh, renting more properties, et cetera, et cetera. So they don't have to actually do the property management themselves um, and they can focus on other tasks that can add more value. Uh, those are the two kind of options, yeah. So this just makes my brain spin around like dials on a poker machine. Um, <laughs> I guess in the spirit of asking the questions that are probably burning people about this is I think about, um, you know, who's, who's responsible for that asset. So let's say worst case scenario, someone gives you a million dollar asset and much later you hand them back like an $800,000 asset probably won't happen, but it's a, it's a, it's a consideration. And then also who owns the growth? Like, are they still doing their own growth? Are you doing the growth? Do you share that? How does, yeah. how does that all work? The agency will always be, um, kind of responsible for their own growth. Um, it, we, we don't do any of the BDM work for them. We're in a, think of us on the operation ends of your sales company or whatever. They, you keep doing your sales, what you're good at. Most agencies are sales principles and they're very sales orientated. So they can keep focusing on, on those things that you know, they're really, really good at. And us being an operations agency, we take care of the rest. So they still manage their own BDMs. They can shift however they want to do with that. But imagine having an office of five, property managers 
scaling it back down to us and then putting on another two, three BDMs um, instead of paying wages to that you know, property manager, sit there and manage the property. You're paying us a fraction of the cost and then you're you know, just reallocating the revenue or the, the, um, the expenses towards a, you know, a BDM, a growth generator. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, Jeremy, I want to sort of finish today's chat with you on a question that we put to all of our guests. Um, you've got 10, you're sort of 10 years plus into the property management journey, obviously experienced a lot of stuff over that time. If you could go back to day one, Jeremy, with the benefit of everything you've been through and give him some advice, what would you tell him? Yeah. Do 3,000 calls, you idiot. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. That is a cracking way to wrap things up. That's all for today. Uh, You can find out more about Jeremy and Junction Estate Agents by heading to www.junctionea.com.au or searching Jeremy Paikau. I'll spell Jeremy's surname for you. It's P-A-I-K-A-E-W or hashtag the property guy on Facebook. It's been great to have you with us today, Jeremy. And if someone wants to get in touch with you about that, uh, that B2B opportunity, did you have a preferred way that they go about it? Yeah, yeah, on the phone. <laughs> of course. <laughs> <laughs> we'll prospect you anyway, don't worry. Oh, love it. Uh, that's all we've got time for today. Uh, we'll catch you next time on Agency of Change. Thank you for listening. 